Good morning. Welcome everyone to worship here at Springfield Church, October the 4th. A couple of announcements. Tonight is Love Feast. We're having it online again using Zoom. Uh, if you haven't gotten the information about that, ask me after church. I'm happy to give that. Um, you can join by Zoom on your computer. You can also just call in. It's designed that way you will be able to listen to everything and share as well. I just won't be able to see my beautiful face. Lucky you. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> All right. Um, the Crop Walk is coming up on October the 11th at 1.30. It is still going on. It's a pretty nice, safe activity. If you wish to, to donate to it, um, just put crop in the memo on the check or if you're doing cash on the outside of the envelope so that we know to get it to the right place. And of course, Bible study continues at seven o'clock online on Tuesday evenings. That's also Zoom, and that is also available to anyone to join, um, whether you have, you're joining by phone or whether you're joining face-to-face -face through the computer. We have flowers up here in memory and honor of Glenn Hawk, along with flowers up here from yesterday's services honoring our sister Jean. Thank you to all those who joined us yesterday. It was a blessing to have you all here. Um, their presence is missed. Are there any other announcements or any joys or concerns you wish to share with the community today? Congratulations to Dolores and Sam for, what'd you say, 20 years? 40? No, I don't believe that. <laughs> and thank you, yes, to all the deacons and everyone who helped yesterday with the meal downstairs. Travel mercies for Paul and his wife at one home there. Travel mercies to, for Paul, Gene's brother, and his sons as they're traveling home. I know they live in New Mexico. He does. Um, Texas. So they're, they're flying all over the south and southwest. I have a note from um, Becky, our, our church administrative assistant. Um, she has not gotten um, the, I, I, the newsletter uh, sent out by email. For whatever reason, it didn't get into the Dropbox the right way which I perfectly understand because I'm always sending out the audio versions through Dropbox and for some reason we can't get through the Dropbox some weeks. Um, so she will be getting that sent out on email beginning of this week, uh, probably Tuesday when she comes in. So if you're looking for your email version, it will be coming. If there is nothing else, if you will enter into a time of prayer with us today.
Holy Creator, open our hearts to invite you into our lives, into our decision-making. As we walk forward on the paths that are laid before us, guide each of our steps and open us so that we may hear your voice in those moments. We lift up our brothers and sisters who are out in this world, those who are mourning and those who are in need of healing and presence. We ask you hold them close. We ask that you hold us close. We lift up those names now quietly in our hearts to you. We know there are many things to celebrate. Little voices. Good timing. Leaves turning colors. Friends returning and saying hello. Long phone calls and well-cooked meals. We lift up to you all of those things that give us such joy in this life. We thank you for them and pray that we will find them on this journey that we call life. Amen. Just a reminder, it is our first Sunday of the month, which is Two Cents Sunday. We aren't doing our usual thing, um, but if you would like to donate, it helps. goes to Charities for the Fight World Hunger, and that's in the back. It's the fishbowl, sitting up nice and high. So please stop by, and if you want to, you can hum. Uh, it's a ma the Magic Penny song to yourself. So, we're doing a bit of a series. Um, 
I don't see Christopher here, but he might be at home. I'm sorry, Christopher. You're going to hear some repeats today. Uh, so I had the joy of getting to work with the youth campers this last summer. We did it online, so it was a little different. I was a little sad I didn't get to sit with them. But I still got to have Bible study with them every day and record devotionals. We even got to play fun games. So I've decided I wanted to kind of work with some of these texts with you all. And the theme this summer was all about prayer. And the first reading comes from Luke 6, 12 through 16. One of these days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent time praying to God. When the morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he designated apostles. Simon, who he called Peter, or Rocky. His brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became the traitor. Amen. I'm getting a... Oh, I think you got the ring. All right, thanks. It's getting a little bit of a ring back up here. I'm still getting it, actually. Just heads up. Okay, so. I like video games. I guess that shouldn't be too big of a surprise. I was born in the mid-80s, which is when, like, Atari and Nintendo, like the original Nintendo, were all coming out. And there's a lot of different kinds of video games. There's, you know, the classic Mario style, the... Um, platforms and jumping games, the scrolling across the screen. There's puzzle games like Tetris. My personal favorite are the role-playing games, especially the open-world ones. This is, this is where, as you're playing through, you make decisions on how you're going to play. You can do this, or you can do that, or you can do something completely different. And it actually changes how the game is played. Because you make a decision here, it will change all the options that come up. These games try to imitate real life. Now, I don't get to play them a lot because, one, I've got adult responsibilities, you know, life. Two, I have a three-year-old, which means I've got extra responsibilities in my downtime. But when I get a chance, I like to play them. You know, they're, they're like chess or shogi or go, just a digital version. There's a lot of different ways you can play them, though. I mean, if you've ever played chess, it's the same as chess. You can play chess different kinds of ways. You can be a straightforward, all-power player, keep your opponent on the back foot. This may mean you win quickly. It also means that if you make a mistake, you lose quickly, too. You can focus on a good foundation. Slowly build up. Don't worry about the victory until you're ready to win, and then you're going to win. You could play my favorite style, which is sneaky sneaky. You know, no reason to go running at someone's defenses, no reason to sit there and waste a lot of time building your own defenses. Find out what your opponent's weakness is and go for that. The downside, of course, is you got to always be more clever than your opponent. And I have to say, I'm not the world's best chess player. <laughs> 
I like these games because they allow you to kind of dip into a little bit of fantasy, a little bit of fun, but they're a lot like real life. They imitate real life. I mean, we all know people who are like this. We have those individuals who are ready to go out, get things done, do it this way. We have those who take their time and plan carefully. Every movement is strategic. And then when they're ready to go for their goals, they go for it with the greatest chance of success. And of course, there are those who always go for the most efficient way to do something, the the path of least resistance. No reason to waste money or resources or time to get where you're going. And of course, this is only three styles, and we all know there's far more than that. And we all know that we probably do a lot more than that ourselves. I mean, if I want to be really careful with food, I can be really careful with food. I'm good at years at restaurant work, planning out the menu, figuring out how much I'm going to spend on each meal, planning it out for each day, knowing okay, this food spoils that quickly. This one I can freeze for another time. This one I can make a huge batch. This one you got to get done. That's all it's going to make. I'm really good at that. You stick me in front of a menu, though, and all of my careful choices just go out the window because I like good food, and if someone else is cooking it, it's hard to say no. So it's with this approach that I approach today's reading. I thought to myself, okay, if I were to plan out Jesus's movements from the outside, how would I do it? Okay, well, there's some rules. Okay, let's, what are the rules? Rule number one, Jesus has to be born in a certain area at a certain time of a certain bloodline. Those are all kind of set forth in the Old Testament. I mean, we always spend the first four weeks of the Christian New Year in Advent reading all these Old Testament texts that say, you know, he's coming here, he's coming then. Okay, so there's some rules. We know where he has to be born. We know who he has to be born of. There's some other rules, too. Jesus only gets a certain number of years. So, however he does it, it needs to be really efficient. He has to spread the good news in a way that it will spread well and quickly, and then will be able to propagate itself after he's gone. Okay. But he's also God incarnate. He's God in the flesh. So he should have a huge amount of power and foresight. So he should know the best way to get things where they're supposed to be. We even have this 12, like these missing years You know, Jesus is 12 and in the temple, and the next time we see him, he's 30 and approaching John. So he's got time. He's got time to get wherever he needs to go to start this all off. So he could start anywhere. Now, me looking at the layout, the most logical place to start would be Rome. I mean, let's think about it. Where would you want to start something that you know is going to spread really well? Well, the center of population and power makes good sense to me. Go to Rome. I mean, you can do miracles. People will probably pay attention to you if you're turning water into wine and raising people from the dead. Just a personal opinion. Those seem like things that would make people pay attention. But no. 
doesn't go to Rome, there. He doesn't go for the biggest bang for the buck. Okay, if you're not going to go to Rome, go to somewhere where there's a lot more Jews that's a lot closer. Jerusalem. That makes sense. Okay, if not Jerusalem, maybe Antioch, that's close, or Alexandria, or Ephesus. I mean, Ephesus will eventually become the center of Christianity for a time. No, Jesus only has this short amount of time here on earth. And out of all the places he could have picked, out of all the kinds of people he could gather to himself, he doesn't go for the easy path. Frankly, it looks like he takes the hardest possible path. If it was a video game, it would be taking that path that like almost every game has that you just never take the first time you play through it because there's no way you're going to win. But you go back and you play it on your second or third go because you want to try yourself out. No, you don't do that on the first go. Jesus got one go, and he's taking the path that has the most resistance and the path that's least likely to, well, end where it needs to end. It made me think of where I grew up. So I grew up in central PA, back in the mountains. My school district was geographically large. I mean, it covered over a quarter of the county and even bled into the counties around us a little bit. But the classes were still pretty small. My class was average size, which was 70-something. My brother's class, which was considered large, was 81. And my other brother's class, which is considered small, was 64. It was small. The biggest town was Alexandria. A whole 350-some people lived there. They always made fun of the closest and second largest town, Petersburg. The Petersburgians always made fun of Bari. Bari didn't get to mock anyone. Because, well, when you lived in Bari, you were about the lowest town you could get in. That's how everyone, that's what everyone, quote unquote, knew. I mean, it's just 12 little houses nestled between a train track and the river. It was like the worst place you could live, according to all the elementary and high school kids. Now, looking back, I realize how dumb and childish those thoughts were, but we all know those podunk places, you know, which we would have referred to as the sticks. Galilee was the sticks. Jesus stayed in his home area, this backwater land, and he gathered his neighbors around him. Then, as Luke wrote for today's reading, Jesus chooses those who would take up his mantle after he ascends to the creator out of this ragtag group of young men. I think I've said this before, but we got to remember, Jesus is 30. These young men are probably like 20, 18 to 24, give or take. I don't know how he chooses these 12. I mean, maybe Jesus is a list maker. He sits down, he's like, okay, I've got like 20, 30 guys following me right now. Here's each of the good ones. Okay, here's their good parts. Here's their bad parts. Let me choose the best 12 out of here. Maybe he's a gut-feeling kind of person. I just feel good about this guy. You know, this Peter, there's something I like about him. I don't know. But however he came to the final list, he does take time to invite God into that process with him. He prays. 
It's so easy to get caught up in the go, go, go ways of this world, to always be rushing on to the next thing, to either commit or, as often also happens, never commit because there's always something good around the corner that you're waiting to happen. There's no perfect answer, of course, because whether you wait to jump in or you jump in right away, you always risk on missing things out. That's life. There's no perfect solution. There's no perfect strategy to how you approach the real world. I mean, it's the same with video games, with board games, with card games. There's no perfect strategy. But you can take a leaf, at least when it comes to real life, from Jesus' playbook. You can take the decision to God. Give yourself that time to reflect, to pray, to more fully open yourself to what the holy wants, where the holy wants you to go. Now, will you make the right decision? Probably not. In fact, I'm quite sure you won't. I mean, that's life. We aren't Jesus. We are prone to making errors, and guess what? We're surrounded by family and friends and acquaintances and just people in this world who are prone to errors. I mean, but chances are, if you stop and you breathe and you really think about it and you invite God to be a part of the process, your choice will probably be better. And sometimes Jesus will lead you down unexpected paths. I mean, just consider who Jesus chooses. Like I said, he doesn't choose the scholars. He doesn't go to Rome and look for politicians in power. He doesn't go to Jerusalem and look for priests and Levites who know the Torah. He doesn't go to Alexandria, which is the center of universities and intellectuality at the time. No, he chooses ordinary people from a podunk province in the Roman Empire. He chooses people who are blue-collar workers, lake laborers, IRS pencil pushers, merchants, and even a backwoods anarchist. And out of these men, these people who aren't the cream of the crop of Israel, they will have people who will one day stand in Jerusalem and speak all the languages of the empire on Pentecost. And the listeners will even stand there and go, wait, aren't these the people from Bari? And from them, the church starts. And if this rabble are the ones who manage to get the church going, off the ground, despite the pressures from the government, despite the pressures from the religious establishment, despite the pressures from their culture who thinks they're nuts, they get it going. And if they can do that in an age where it's easy to execute anyone, imagine how far we can get in this day ourselves. So take a moment when you're ready to make that decision Invite God to be a part of it and see where you're being led. Because you never know. You never know what door God's going to open for you unless you take the time. Thank you. I invite you now, 
to take part in the bread and the cup, the book I put behind me. If this is your first time with us for doing this, which honestly, this is the only second time we've done it, we have our little cups. There is a tiny piece of bread on top of there if you want to use it, but I don't recommend it because we have our traditional bread in these little bags. But I will warn you, when you open these up, you could do what I did last time, which was uh, have it slightly explode on you. So maybe aim it a little way. There you are. Just a warning. On the last night that Jesus spent with his friends and his followers, he invited them to sit at the table and celebrate, Pentecost, or celebrate Passover with him. And then he invited them to continue to celebrate in remembrance of him. So as we prepare to come to this table, the Lord's table, we are asked to reflect on the reasons we come for thanksgiving, for faith, for penitence, for love, for remembering. I invite you to take a moment and remember the Christ who called us to break bread with one another and we thoughtfully examine our state of faithfulness and our unity with his body here on earth. as you feel led to join us or to not. I invite you now to come to the table from where you're sitting. I invite you to open your hearts to where Jesus is leading you in your lives, to walk in the newness of life, to draw near to God and towards this holy communion with our Lord. Jesus tells us, that, or Luke tells us, that Jesus took a piece of bread and he broke it. And he broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we pray, Holy God, blessing on this sacred symbol of Christ's broken body, may we receive and partake this bread, recalling the life and the death of Jesus Christ, increasing our gratitude and our obedience in the name of the Christ we pray. Amen. And as we eat this, I ask you to affirm your faith by those first words spoken by Jesus and repeated over the ages by our ancestors of faith and our mothers, our fathers, our sisters and brothers who have sat in these same spots.
and saying, the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. We are told then that Jesus took up a cup and said, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me every time you drink. And we are reminded, for as often as we drink this as, long as, as often as we drink from this cup and eat from this death, we proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes again. If you'll pray with me. Holding and loving God, we pray your blessing upon the sacred symbol of the blood of Jesus the Christ. Our hearts are filled in thanksgiving for love poured out as in faith we drink this cup. May your forgiveness and your divine spirit be poured afresh into our lives through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the humble thanksgiving and joy for life so freely given, repeat after me these words. The cup which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. The cup that we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. you'll pray with me. God, you are never far from us. You reach out and touch us through the spirit and through symbols, through the hands of those we love. We are deeply grateful to have a place at your table and to share in the sacred meal. By your grace, may we continue our pilgrimage, carrying into all of life the saving love of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. In a traditional communion in some faiths, you don't eat for the day before you take the communion, and you don't eat for several hours afterwards. The idea being that the bread and the cup nourish your body and spirit in a way that 
no other food can. We don't hold so hard to that tradition ourselves, but we understand it. For us, the bread and the cup, the remembering of Christ happens every day. Jesus told us, remember every time you drink. Remember every time you eat. I invite you as you go out into this world to remember every time you lift up a cup to your lips, whether it's the fast food soda, whether it's iced tea at home, sweetened or southern sweetened, I invite you to remember the covenant and the blood. I invite you to be filled with the Spirit. And I invite you to invite God into every moment of your life. Amen.